0: receive glory and honor and power, be it tonight as we shout your name. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I know. I know. I stayed actually. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. So excited you're here with us today on July 4th, where we get to celebrate Jesus, celebrate our God, but we also celebrate um, 4th of July, the birth of our country, of our nation. Um, We want you to make sure that you have a lot of fun. There's going to be people who are here, a lot of people are uh, traveling. Our pastor, Pastor Bobby, he is traveling today. He is with his family up in McKinney. And I know they're having a great time with all their family. And so please pray for him as he returns back to us safely. But guys, we just really are excited that you're here with us. If you're here with us and you're visiting with us, we're really glad that you're here. This is not a normal Sunday. We usually we're, we're a whole lot more full than we are now. But what we're really excited about is that everybody's here and we're hopefully here to worship the King, the true King, Jesus. And that's what we're here to do. Um, I, I do have two things, and they're not here, but I want you to tell them that I said this. I want to say, Happy anniversary to Toots and Judy. They're not here right now, but they're the 59th wedding anniversary, and that's just an amazing accomplishment. Um, we also have the Johnstones. It's their 14th or 13th? 13th wedding anniversary, so we have those two. Those are the ones that told me. If it's your anniversary also, I'm sorry I missed it, but I will gladly get up here and embarrass you if you need me to. Um, guys, we're really excited today. Thanks for being with us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for today. And God, we thank you so much for how good you are. God, I pray, Lord, that we can worship you in spirit and truth. That, God, that we can celebrate your name and that your name be higher than any name. That, God, we are blessed to be here in America. But, God, first and foremost, we are Christians. That we belong to the one true God. That we belong and we only have righteousness because of what you've did, not what we can ever do. God, that you are real, not just... Not just to us, God, but to this whole world. That, God, that we all see you in all of our creation. And, God, let us go out today, enjoy your creation, enjoy what you allow us to enjoy. And, God, let us enjoy our family and our friends. Lord, we pay for Pastor Bobby as as he's he's gone, as he can come back to us. But, God, we also pray for Gary as he's going to bring the word today. And I know it will be great. God, I pray, Lord, that you just please be glorified in this worship. And, Lord, let us just give you all the honor and praise. In your name we pray. Amen. Before, we, uh, before I get off stage, just letting you know, uh, it is First Fruits Day, and this is where we basically teach our kids to be able to give. I, if A lot of uh, parents were caught off guard last time we did it, and what we do is we basically let our students and let our kids be able to come up here right, uh, right after worship. Isn't that right? right after worship, I believe, and we allow them to be able to give right here inside. And I know Ms. Krista will be up here so they can come and give. Um, it's just quarters, whatever it is. We're trying to teach our students and our kids how to give back. And um, I just, we just know that it's going to be a great thing and a wonderful deal. So uh, if you can, partake in that. If you can't, we totally get it. Thank you so much. All right, let's stand and sing together.
2: i to...
3: dark. The so longer I live.
2: Christ who lives within me, Christ who lives within me, from beginning to the end, you deserve the glory, you deserve the glory, you are God, you're the great I am, breath of life I breathe you in. Strong in my brokenness Sovereign over every step Even in the fire
3: sing this. We will feast.
2: We will feast in the house of Zion. We will sing with our hearts restored. He has done great things. We will say to gathered up. We will feast in the house of Zion. We will sing with our hearts restored. He has done great things. We will say In the dark of night, before the dawn, my soul be not afraid, for the promised morning, oh how long, oh God of Jacob be my strength. of Zion we will sing with our hearts restored He has done great things we will say together we will feast and weep no more every vow we've broken us together bring shallow. We will feast in the house of Zion. We will sing with our hearts restored. He has done great things. We will say to Say together we will feast and weep no more.
3: Amen. Well, we're going to introduce a new song this morning. And before we do that, I encourage you to open up your scripture uh, to John 8. I encourage you to get your own Bibles out. But if that's not available to you, the the scripture is going to be on the screen, so John chapter 8, we're going to give you some time to get there. And we're actually going to start in the last uh, verse of chapter 7. So chapter 7, uh, verse 53 of John, this is what it says, they went each to his own house but Jesus went to the mount of olives. Early in the morning he came again to the temple. All the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, "Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law of Moses, in the law Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say?" This they said to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. And there's a lot of things happening in that uh, piece of scripture, but the thing I want to focus on is um, just the fact that this woman was brought before Jesus, and she was exposed uh, in front of a living God, in front of a holy God. Her sin was made known. And you can imagine the type of emotion uh, that was there. You know, there was probably some pain, some regret, some guilt, maybe even embarrassment, humiliation. But Jesus comes and he meets her in her greatest moment of need. And he says, I offer you grace. I want to show you compassion. I want to show you love. I want to extend mercy to you. But even with his grace, he doesn't um, he doesn't compromise his justice. Because at the end, he says, go and sin no more. In other words, I want you to leave your life of sin. I want you to take on a new life, a new way of life. And that's a way of holiness and righteousness. But you're going to do that out of the out overflow of my grace to you. And so, you know, this woman was broken in front of Jesus. And, you know, all of us... When we are exposed in front of a holy God, we are broken. It is, it is manifests itself. It's obvious. We can't cover it up. But we have a God who promises to fix. He promises to make us renewed. And that type of renewing, it's a fixed renewal. It's not something that we need to update day after day. When that woman walked away, the next morning she woke up, she remained renewed. In the years after, she remained renewed until the day that she saw Jesus and her body was restored. So we're going to sing this song. We're going to learn this song together. But as we learn, learn it, I pray that we just have that truth in our hearts, in our minds, that we who are broken, we're mended by a God who's good. So let's sing this together. Let's learn it together. God, we thank you for your goodness and your promise to renew us. And, God, it is true that when we come to you and our sin is exposed, God, you are quick to extend grace. You are quick to extend compassion and mercy for us and to make us new like you. And, God, I pray that we can take on that calling that, to go and sin no more. God help us to pursue righteousness at all costs. God help us to pursue faith. Help us to pursue each other, our families under your word, under the banner of the name of Jesus, God. God, thank you for all that truth that we've seen in scripture this morning and as we open up scripture more, I pray that you continue to teach. God, your spirit is welcome in this room. Teach us new things. In Jesus' name,
4: amen. Amen. You guys have a seat. Well, this morning we're going to do something just a little bit different. Uh, Clint mentioned to you earlier that this morning we're going to do First Fruits, and so that's where we invite the children up to give their offering. But I want to put a little add-on to that. So if you guys want to hold on, hey, Leslie, yeah, hold on just a sec. They may want to be a part of this. All right. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to invite... All the children to come and give their first fruits, but then I'm also going to invite you up on the stage because we're going to read a little story this morning, okay? So I thought we'd incorporate all this in there. So you guys come on, come on up, and then once you drop it off, even if you don't have any money or anything to drop on the plate, come on up here and have a seat, all right? Come on, come on. Even if you're not a kid, you want to come be a part of the story, you're more than welcome to. It's story time. You guys, come up here. Come up here. Come on. Come up here. Have a seat. We didn't really rehearse this this morning, did we? All right. Come on. Come sit down. Just have a seat. You guys can sit Indian style. I can't, so I'm going to use a stool. Come on up. Come on up. Pile in. Pile in. Here we go. All right. There you go. Come on up. We'll wait on you. All right, so I gotta be honest, this is one of my favorite books, and uh, I think because it teaches such a valuable lesson. Has anybody ever read Mr. Peabody's Apples? No? Anybody in the audience ever read Mr. Peabody's Apples? Yeah? All right. So we're gonna read Mr. Peabody's Apples this morning, okay? All right, if you've read it, don't give away the end, all right? It kind of ruins it. And so, you guys ready for this? All right. I think the reason I like it so much is because it involves baseball, right? Alright, so I'm going to show pictures and everything. It's going to be great. Alright, y'all ready? Here we go. Alright, in the town of Hatville, which wasn't a very big town, Mr. Peabody was congratulating his Little League team on a great game. They had not won, but no one really cared, because they had had such a great time playing. Mr. Peabody was the history teacher at the local elementary school, and in the summertime, he dedicated every Saturday to organizing baseball games with other schools. Billy Little, who wasn't a very big boy, was one of Mr. Peabody's students. He loved baseball more than anything, and he thought Mr. Peabody was the greatest. After each game, he would always stay to help pick up all the bats and balls. And when they were finished, Mr. Peabody would smile and say, thanks, Billy, good job. I'll see you next Saturday. Then he would start his walk along, home along, along the main street of Hatville, which wasn't a very big street. Waving hello to everyone he knew, And everyone would have would wave hello back. Along the way, he always passed Mr. Funkadelli's fruit market. What if that was your name? That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Mr. Funkadelli. All right. Here Mr. Peabody would stop and admire Mr. Funkadelli's fresh apples. He would pick out the shiniest apple, drop it in his bag, and continue on his way. Across the street, Tommy Tittlebottom watched with curiosity as Mr. Peabody walked away with the people, or with the apple. That's strange, Tommy said to himself. Mr. Peabody didn't pay anyone for the apple. Tommy got on his skateboard and rushed to tell his friends. The following Saturday, Mr. Peabody's team played another game, and they lost as usual. But no one seemed to care because they had had such a good time playing. Billy picked up the balls and bats, and Mr. Peabody set off on his walk home. He waved to everyone he knew, and they waved back. Once again, he stopped outside Mr. Funkadeli's fruit market, picked up the shiniest apple, dropped it in his bag, and continued on his way. Across the street, Tommy Tittlebottom and his friends watched Mr. Peabody, and they were amazed at what they saw. Mr. Peabody had had not paid for his apple. They couldn't wait to tell all their friends, who told their parents, who told their neighbors, who told their friends in the town of Hatville, which wasn't a very big town. The Saturday after that, Mr. Peabody was standing all alone on the baseball field, wondering where everybody was. Then he saw Billy walking toward him with a sad look on his face. Hello, Billy. I'm glad you're here. But where's the rest of the team? asked Mr. Peabody. Billy remained silent. "Silent. What is it, Billy? he asked again. Billy didn't look up. Everybody thinks you're a thief, he said to the ground. Mr. Peabody looked confused. He took off his hat and scratched his head. Who says I'm a thief, Billy. And what did I steal, he asked. Tommy Tittlebottom and his friends said they saw you take an apple from Mr. Funkadeli's fruit market. Twice. And they said you didn't pay for them, answered Billy. Ah, said Mr. Peabody, putting his hat back on his head. Let's go and talk to Mr. Funkadeli about this, shall we? What do you think is going to happen? All right. Let's read on. There's that. Another page. All right. They walked down the main street, which wasn't a very big street, and Mr. Peabody waved to all the people he knew, but now some of them did not wave back, and some pretended they did not even see him. They finally arrived at Mr. Funkadelli's fruit market. Out popped Mr. Funkadelli, who said, Hey, what are you doing here, Mr. Peabody? Why aren't you at the game? There wasn't a game today, said Mr. Peabody, and I was wondering if I could take my apple earlier than usual. Sure, why not, replied Mr. Funkadelli. You paid for them every Saturday morning when you pick up your milk. You can take them when you like. You want the big shiny one, Mr. Peabody? Mr. Peabody took his apple, smiled, and offered it to Billy. I would like to take the apple, Mr. Peabody, but I have to go and find Tommy and explain everything, said Billy. When you find him, ask him to come over to my house. I would like to speak to him, too, replied Mr. Peabody. So Tommy's going to go have to speak to Mr. Peabody. I've been there. All right. A little while later, Billy found Tommy and told him what had happened with the apples. He told Tommy that Mr. Peabody wanted to speak to him right away, so off Tommy ran, and when he arrived, he rang the doorbell, and Mr. Peabody came to the door. They looked at each other for a while. Oh dear, Mr. Peabody, said Tommy on the doorstep. I didn't understand. I should should not have said what I said, but it looked like you hadn't paid for the apples. Mr. Peabody's eyebrows went up a little, and he felt a warm breeze blow across his face. It doesn't matter what it looked like. What matters is the truth. Tommy looked down at his shoes and said, I am so sorry. What can I do to make things better now? Mr. Peabody took a deep breath, looked up at a small cloud that was in the sky, and said, I tell you what, Tommy, meet me at the baseball diamond in one hour and bring a pillow stuffed with feathers. Okay, said Tommy, who then ran off to his house to get a pillow. An hour later, Tommy met Mr. Peabody on the pitcher's mound. Hello, Tommy, said Mr. Peabody. Follow me and bring your pillow. Tommy followed Mr. Peabody to the top of the bleachers, wondering what this was all about. It's a windy day, isn't it? asked Mr. Peabody. When they reached the top, Tommy nodded his head in agreement. Here is a pair of scissors. Now cut the pillow in half and shake the feathers out. Tommy looked confused, but did it anyways. He thought it was a small price to pay to gain Mr. Peabody's forgiveness. The wind carried the thousands of feathers far and wide. If you cut a pillow open, would your parents be very happy? Yeah, (laughs) mine wouldn't either. All right. Tommy looked relieved and said, Is that all I have to do to make things better? There is one more thing, said Mr. Peabody. Now you must go and pick up all the feathers. Tommy frowned. I don't think it's possible to pick up all the feathers, Tommy replied. "'It would be just as impossible to undo the damage that you've done "'by spreading the rumor that I'm a thief,' said Mr. Peabody. "'Each feather represents a person in Hapville.'" There was a long pause as Tommy began to understand what Mr. Peabody was saying. Finally, he said, "'I guess I have a lot of work ahead of me.'" Mr. Peabody smiled and said, "'Indeed you do. "'Next time, don't be so quick to judge a person "'and remember the power of your words.'" Then he handed Tommy the shiny red apple, and he made his way home. Let me pray for you guys. God, we we take a story like this, and as we begin to understand and unpack it in our brains a little bit, Father, we realize that our words have a lot of weight to them. And so, Father, as we begin to study your scripture, teach us. Teach us how strong and powerful our tongue actually is. And Lord, may we not be quick to just go and spread whatever we think we saw. But Lord, may we be directed by wisdom from you. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen. All right. Thanks for joining me, guys. You guys make your way back to your parents. Hey, will you take this? Alright, so thanks for hanging with us. I know that was kind of a long story, but it really sets up the stage for where we're going to go this morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn to James chapter 3. If I talk a little fast, I'm just going to try to catch us up a little bit, alright? So here we go. So James chapter 3 kind of sets the stage for where we're going to go this morning. And over the past few weeks, Bobby's been laying a lot of groundwork on us countering the culture and, and things that are going on around us. And so... I wanted to take just a little pause from that this morning and, and focus on something that I think is really important as we try to navigate this amazing thing called life, right? If you're anything like me, uh, you've heard me share this before, I, I really like to fix things, all right? So if it's a situation, if it's a lawnmower, if it's something, I'm probably going to tear into it and try to fix it. And many times, for me, that involves words, Right? Uh, I, I speak a lot for a living, and so a lot of, my, uh, a lot of times my words just kind of come out. And over the years, I've, I've been in prayer about how to tame those words a little bit, how to not be so quick to either pass judgment or say something or, or, or hold it in. And, and if you guys know me, uh, you know that's kind of hard to do, right? And so there are times where I find myself in a situation And words are just coming out, and the whole time, in the back of my mind, I'm going, you need to stop talking. You need to be quiet. You're not going to be able to reel that back in, right? And I feel like little Tommy, in uh, in the understanding that, man, there's so many times where I've had to cut open the pillow and the feathers just fly. And And I catch myself going, gosh, I need to pick all those up because that's causing a lot of damage. And so this morning as we look at this concept of us trying to tame the tongue, I want to look at James chapter 3 because James points this out to us in a way that I think brings a lot of truth into our lives. And so let's dive into this as we begin this study this morning. James chapter 3, look at verse 2. It says, We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault... In what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. It's, it's kind of funny because a lot of times we, we say a lot of things, we do a lot of things, and we don't really, um, there's not really a consequence sometimes for those. And, and it amazed me a while ago when Jason was reading the scripture from John chapter 8, and this idea of, of this woman being brought before Jesus. I've never really thought about it until a while ago. Um, but the, uh, maybe this, let's just say this is the Lord, because this is the Lord. The Lord just said, look, this woman was brought before Jesus, and, and her sin was, was forced to be exposed. That's the word that kept coming. Like this, her sin was forced to be exposed. She didn't want her sin exposed, right? Right? We don't want our sin exposed. We don't walk around with a billboard announcing all of our sins that we've committed that day, right? We don't want our sin exposed, but this woman had her sin exposed. Many times with our tongue and the things that we say or do with it in terms of words and how we encourage or not encourage, is not exposed because many times it happens at home behind closed doors. Many times it doesn't happen to where it's exposed. And so when I look at this woman who was brought before Jesus, I, I look at it sometimes and I go, man, what if? What if my sin was exposed on a daily basis? What if I had to come before an almighty God and confess all the things that I have done? You know, the truth of it is, that's not a what if. That's the truth. God is calling you and I daily to confess our sins before him. And when we look at that, we struggle with it. Because if I'm, if I'm forced to confess my sins, then I've got to reveal some things about myself that I'm not really happy about, right? So when we look at this passage, we understand that the tongue is a powerful instrument. And it has the power and ability to both do good and evil that is our tongue. So let's look at some areas that uh, our tongue has the power. Um, One, it has the power to reveal maturity. The tongue has the power to reveal one's maturity, uh, both as a Christian and as a non-Christian. Man, growing up, um, I was talking with Clint the other day. He just, we, we, we talk a lot. I don't know if you've ever been around Clint and I, but we talk a lot, so when we get together, there's just lots of words that start flying, and, and good words, all right? Don't go, don't go crazy on me. Good words, but the idea, like, he just asked, he said, you know, so you became a believer when you were young, right? I was like, yeah, when I was seven. So I just began to kind of share my story a little bit. And I think a lot of times we look at that, that, that idea when we accept Christ at a young age, that there's this period where we, we don't really know who Christ is. Right. And we, we may waver a little bit, we may go right or left and all this kind of stuff. And, and to be honest with you, my life, the Lord, in a, in many ways, in his grace and knowledge protected me from a lot of things. Uh, did I make some choices that I shouldn't have? Yeah. But for the most part, staying that course and understanding what Jesus had done in my life at the age of seven, I didn't want to veer away from that. Say fear, say whatever. I, I don't know. But I didn't want to veer away from that idea and that concept. And so when I, when I look at what it talks about in the, in the fact that my tongue has the power to reveal maturity, there was a part of my life being inundated with uh, language, being inundated with all kinds of things that my verbiage, my life, my tongue revealed some incredible immaturity on my part. It was not Christ-like. There were words that would come out of my mouth that did not represent Christ, Right? And so as a believer, the tongue has the power to reveal how mature you are. And so however you speak determines that maturity. And where does that maturity come from? I think that maturity comes from Scripture. There were periods of my life where Scripture was not very important. And I was not filling my life and my heart with the Word of God. And therefore, whatever society, whatever teammate said, or whatever this person said, it just flowed out. And there was no control in it. My maturity was small. It also has the power to control. Let's look back at uh, James 3, verse 2. We all stumble in many ways if anyone is never at fault in what he says. He is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. So if we can control the tongue, we can keep our whole body in check, right? Man, please help me understand this, all right? I'm not, I'm not just pointing out my wife, but my wife has this incredible look that she can give me that I know I've either done or said something that was incredibly wrong. All the wives are looking at their husbands with that look. I see it. That's the, Y'all practice this. Like Y'all get together and have women conferences. And like. But she can, she can cock her head to one side, poke the hip out a little bit. I'm like, man, I just messed up, right? We have the power, according to James 3, to control that, to control our body language. There are some of us that whatever expression is on our face, that is saying everything to the world, right? Well, Scripture is saying that we have the power to control that body language. Another thing, it has the power to build or destroy. Look at verse 5. Let's jump down just a little bit. We're going to basically stay in James chapter 3. So look at verse 5. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Our tongue has the power to build and has the power to destroy. We need to realize as believers that whatever comes out of our mouth can either build someone up in the faith, can encourage them, can strengthen them can discipline them but in the same breath we can also tear them down i I see this over and over uh even in my own house there are times where i could i could say so many encouraging words and just you know get the end of the day and like the pat on the shoulder great job dad you did awesome today And then there's that one moment where frustration gathers me or or just takes over and my my tongue lets loose and there's some discouraging word or there's some beat down that's not should have been there and everything that had been built up is all of a sudden laying on the ground in pieces. Our tongue is powerful. And just like verse 5 says, we have the power from a small spark to make a massive fire. What do we do with our tongue? Look at verse 6. Our tongue has the power to defile. The tongue has the power to defile the whole body and to pollute everything. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Let me read uh, Matthew 15. Just write this down. Matthew 15, 11 and 18. What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean, but what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. In verse 18, but the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these make a man unclean. I remember my mom uh, growing up when it, she would tell me, you know, Gary, the things, that you, the things that you listen to, the things that you watch, the things that uh, come into your life are the things that are going to come out. And I didn't realize this is, this is what she was talking about, right? So the music, the, the movies, the friends, the lifestyle, all of those things penetrate us and eventually they come out, right? There are days upon days that I have to work desperately to suppress the things that I have seen and heard over the course of my life so that when I stub a toe or something doesn't go right, that that doesn't outflow from my mouth because nobody is going to benefit from that. And what I've understand over the years is there's no amount of Gary's energy and and knowledge and whatever that can control that tongue. None of it. Only by the power of Jesus can that be controlled. And so as the Holy Spirit works in my life and begins to transform me daily... and and continues to push back and and get rid of all of that junk in my life, guys, I have to recognize over and over and over that it's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not the work of Gary. Because every time Gary steps forward and tries to take control and control this, this tongue, this thing that the Lord has given us to speak wisdom and life into people, every time I fail. But the work of the Holy Spirit leads and guides it, if I let it. We have to let Jesus work. Another one, it has the power to run out of control. If allowed, the tongue has the power to run wild like a wild beast. We've been there. Maybe you're guilty of it. Maybe you know somebody that's guilty of it. You just get going, right? And you can't stop. It's like a wild beast running after its prey. It's going to get it. You can't stop it. Guys, our tongue is incredibly powerful. Look at verses 7 and 8. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Even as I was prepping for this and trying to understand and just wrap my mind around this, and I get to this kind of verse, and I go, "Well, God, why why, why would you let us do this, right? If if this is how this is is working, why would you allow this to happen? And, And we come back, and we understand this type of concept. This is us. This is sin. This is our brokenness the billboard I talked about a while ago, that's what's on you. And the only release from that is bringing it to an almighty God who says, I will take it. My son has paid the price. Give it over to me. Quit holding on to it. And allow the wisdom of my scripture, allow the wisdom of my knowledge to flow through you rather than anything and everything else. That's what Jesus is speaking into us today. Proverbs twenty six twenty, I think fits this perfectly. It says, without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a coral dies down. How many times have you been caught with gossip? You're speaking words, you don't even know if they're true, right? I decided a long time ago, One, to try not to gossip, but two, if somebody brings me something, so here's your warning. (laughs) If you bring something to me, you got to know that if you're talking about somebody else, I'm probably going to stop you. I'm going to say, you can continue, but just know when we get done with this conversation, I'm going to that person and revealing everything you just said. Gossip stirs up dissension, stirs up wrath, stirs up hate. It is an evil that scripture over and over and over says, stop doing it. It sets everything ablaze. Another one, power to contradict. The tongue has the power to contradict in this way. Look at these verses, uh, 9 through 12. It says, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Our tongue has the power to contradict. Sunday mornings at my house uh, growing up, was a really funny time, and I, I, maybe I've shared this before, but it was a knockdown dragout many mornings getting to church. Many mornings. We were either running late, something was happening, I didn't want to wear what my mom wanted me to wear. I don't know, you name it, it was happening at our house, but as soon as we pulled in the parking lot and the door creaked open to head into church, you better have a smile on your face, right? Some of you are going, man, that was this morning. And we got to sleep in. Tongue has the power to contradict. Mom, dad, you get to set the stage for that. We were joking on Wednesday night about how we don't really have to teach our kids to do wrong. They just do it. But we have to teach them what is right. And a lot of that is from our mouths. How do we teach them to do what the Lord says to do. Lastly on this part, it has the power of genuineness. Turn to James chapter 1 real quick. Just one page back. James chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, it says, If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Man, Bobby's been talking a lot about countering the culture. How do we allow the culture to not pollute us as believers, as followers of Christ, How do we allow it not to be polluted, to pollute ourselves? The only answer is Jesus, right? I love it when you get to ask a question and you know the answer is Jesus. That's it. By the work of the Holy Spirit and by the work of God Almighty, that is how we allow the world not to come in and corrupt us so that everything that we see, hear, taste, feel, whatever, Becomes to be the outflow of our lives. And that outflow is not reflective of Jesus Christ at all. Jesus is the only one that can bring all of that stuff in. Turn it all upside down. And the outflow reflects Jesus. That's how Jesus works. That's the hope that we sit on every day. The work of Jesus Christ in our lives. Three things I want to... Kind of help us understand of how to control the tongue, real quick. First thing, I don't know any other way to say it. than it's just holy silence. <laughs> it's the S word in our house. We can we don't get to say that word, all right? So sometimes you just need to shut up. Sometimes you just need to be quiet, right? I, I I'm the first one to confess this. There's so many times I see a situation I want to fix it. And my fixing it is adding some kind of words to it. And when if I really just stopped and paused for a moment and allowed the Holy Spirit to work in my life, there are no words that would come out because it wouldn't fix a thing. So sometimes we just need to be quiet. Silence. Shutting our mouths can bring so much peace, reconciliation, all kinds of things to the situation. You go, well, how is that possible? You're not saying anything to fix it. That's the point. (laughs) Most of the times when we say stuff to try to fix it, it's our own opinion. It's not the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not Jesus working in our lives. It's you. It's me. it's, it's, It's me trying to say, I can fix this situation. I can fix you. Guys, again, broken record here. Holy Spirit's the only thing that can fix you and I. We gotta be quiet. I think Jesus is the greatest example of this concept. When your and my Savior went to the cross, he didn't say a word. Isaiah 53, seven says, he was oppressed and he was afflicted Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that's before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Our Savior of anybody had the right to uh, Man, he He's the only one that had the right to try to fix the situation. All of us sit in this room in many ways condemned before an almighty God because of our sin. But Jesus, our Savior, went to the cross so that you and I could stand before an almighty Father clean, completely eradicated of our sin because of God's grace. Guys, there's nothing about that that you and I contributed to at all. It's the work of Jesus. And so when we look at this idea of countering the culture, when we look at the idea of taming the tongue, we have to come back to the concept that Jesus is the one at work, not you, not your own merit, not your own skills, not your own whatever you want to insert there. Jesus, over and over and over. Do we allow him to heal? Second, believe. We have to believe God will take care of our problems. We have to understand that God's in the business of taking care of our issues. If we will actually bring our issues to him. I I don't really get on Facebook a lot. Many reasons for that. But when I do, I just find myself, you guys know what I'm talking about, you're just sitting there scrolling, right? Like, how fast can I get through all these things and like, like them? If I don't like them, I feel guilty. Somebody's like, he didn't like my page. Oh, sorry. Call you. Hey, great job on life. I don't know. But we post things on Facebook and it's like our glamour shot, Right? Life's great, or I don't believe in these politics that are going on right now, or whatever. I can post all of it on Facebook with no consequence. But if I come before an almighty God and I lay all my junk at his feet, there's going to be some consequence. Because I'm confessing everything. There's brokenness there. But there's also healing that takes place. Do you see how that works? This isn't just come to God when you're you're in trouble. This is come to God when you're in trouble, when you're hurting, when you're sick, when you're you're joyful, when you're happy. This is all the time. God wants you. wants every piece of you. Sometimes we only bring the junk. Just like we only post the good stuff on Facebook. Jason, I'm going to call him out for a sec we, uh, 24-7 used to be our worship, and uh, there was a season there where Jason, at the end of it, would uh, say something to the effect of, like, make good choices. But if not, put it on Facebook, you know. (laughs) I'm not asking you to put all your junk on Facebook, but I'm asking you to believe that God's going to take care of your problems. God's going to take care of you should you allow him to begin to be the father of your life. Lastly, get along with others. Stop trying to convince everyone that your way is right and everyone else's way is wrong. I'd love to believe and stand before you and say everything that I do and say and believe is right, but I would be the biggest hypocrite standing before you, right? My wife, my kids, they can attest to that. You can attest to that. Stop trying to convince everyone that you're right and their way is not. This isn't any kind of July 4th political thing. We all got to get along. Reality is, guys, as believers in Christ, we should be getting along. We got to quit talking about each other. We got to quit pointing at this person and that person. They did this. They did that. Stop it. Allow the work of the Holy Spirit to be represented in your life. Just like Mr. Peabody's apples, we make decisions every day. And people begin to pass around information that may or may not be true. How do we change that culture? How do we change the idea that we have no control over our tongues. Taming the tongue is not an easy thing. Some of you are going to walk away this morning and have lots of great things to say. Some of you are going to walk away this morning going, "I, I don't really even understand what he was talking about, taming the tongue. My tongue's just fine. Cool. Can you believe in that? And as the Lord grabs a hold of your heart, I pray that we would all be in the posture of allowing him to work in our lives and not stand before him constantly trying to uh, justify our life, justify our sin, but just simply confess it and give it over to him. Our tongue has the power to confess. Can it be controlled? I think so. By the work of an almighty God, it can. Jason, you guys uh, come on back up. I want to be honest with you this morning. I was honestly having a little bit of a struggle trying to figure out how to close. And... I think we've looked at a lot of things uh, the past few weeks, and a lot of things that in some ways are convicting, uh, some ways are hard to hear, some ways we don't want to hear. The reality of, of everything, even this morning, is the understanding that if we don't have hope and if we don't have assurance in Jesus Christ, then, then all the stuff that Bobby's been talking about, all the stuff that we've been studying um, over the past months, none of it's going to matter, none of it, if we don't place our faith and our hope in Jesus Christ. And so for me this morning, uh, man, I, I love being able to get on this stage and, and share God's word, but I think if I miss an opportunity to not just share God's word, but to to open up an opportunity for you to know the Savior that I know, then I've missed everything. I should not have even said anything this morning. So I I have no idea where you're at this morning. I don't know what struggles in life are going on. I don't know what joys in life are going on. I don't know where you're at. I know some of you, because I've been able to spend a lot of time and sweat and tears and all kinds of stuff working on this silly stage. We've got to have some incredible conversations. Some of you just need some tender love from our God, from our Savior. And so as Jason and Christina lead us this morning, I want to give you the opportunity We've kind of joked about we've taken the, the altars away. Man, that's crazy. <laughs> if this stage is the place that you need to be to confess some things before an almighty God, then by all means, come and use this stage. If it's right where you're sitting, if it's right with your spouse, with your child, then I would say, as Jason leads us, you go to the throne of grace with confidence, and you confess what needs to be confessed. If you're sitting here this morning and you're going, man, I hear you talking about tongue and Jesus and Holy Spirit and all that kind of stuff. I'm just really confused. I don't know what you're talking about. Please come and talk to me. Let me share about my Savior and the fact that when I, at seven years old, laid my life in the palm of His hands, I released everything to Him. And that is is the saving grace of Jesus Christ our Lord. Let me pray for you. God, as we enter into this time of worship and closing, Father, would you help us understand from Scripture maybe this morning was strange or heavy for some of us? Lord, you have given us uh, a great tool to share about your son through words that you allow us to form in our mouths and speak to other people. And so God, this morning, maybe there's some things in our lives that we need to lay before you and just confess and give it over and allow you to actually be Lord in our lives. And so God, if that's the case, And I pray that you would draw us to repentance like we have never repented before. Because, Lord, I know that when I come before you in true repentance, there is brokenness. Because of the way that my lifestyle has completely defiled what you would have for me. And the sin that takes over my life so often, Father, as I leave it at your feet and you pick me up. And you love me. God, would would people this morning in this congregation right here, right now, would they be able to feel and know and experience and be a part of that type of grace? God, allow your grace to wash over us this morning. Father, we place our hope and our trust in you and nothing else. God, would you be glorified as we sing praises to your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to be down front. There may be a couple others that are coming forward. Man, um, as Jason leads us and as you stand, maybe you need to lay some things at the feet of Jesus. Maybe you need to go across the room and grab somebody and just tell them that you love them. Tell them that you're praying for them. Ask them how you can pray for them. It's so funny. We come here on a Sunday morning, and we shake hands, and we, we smile, and try to put on a face. And the rest of the week, we're not checking in on each other. We're not seeing what's happening in life. We're not truly being the hands and feet of Jesus. I'm challenging you today as a congregation of Holly Springs to be the hands and feet of Jesus and see where each other's needs are and how do we meet those needs. Part of that's simply praying to an almighty God. Would you stand with us?
2: Lord, I come my heart we need him I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. Jesus, you're my hope and stay. Teach us, teach my song to rise to you. I e
4: can stay standing. Um, yeah, absolutely. Praise the Lord. There you go. Bring it on. All the way across. Here we go. Praise the Lord. Yeah. That's how we do it. I hope you walk away this morning realizing uh, how much you need Jesus and how much you need a Savior. Uh, just a couple of things kind of catch you up on where we're at. You can see a lot of the progress that's taken place and uh, the beautiful rock that uh, Greg and, and Clint and you uh, a number of others helped yesterday and, and the days before, and so uh, we are coming along. Uh, thank you for your prayers uh, and your support in this process. It's It's been fun. Uh, we're ready to be done, though, so uh, we are working very hard to try to get it done. We do have one hel- ask of you today, uh, if you feel at all possible. Uh, we need help getting... Uh, I had a name, I was gonna name her real quick, but nothing came to mind. We just need to get the piano back on stage, and uh, it's a beast. And so, if we can have a dozen or so people uh, here at the close to help us with that, we'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, there are some announcements in the bulletin, check those out. Um, other than that, uh, kids, if you can bring your bags back to Miss Krista uh, up at the front, we'd greatly appreciate that. Other than that, have a great fourth, and we will see you Wednesday.